here. I'm also happy to be here because we have three services. You guys have two services, so that makes me happy to be here. Uh, but it's so cool, so cool. Had a look around and um, just seeing all your kids' areas. And, man, you've got the best kids' programs. Your kids, I, I'm surprised you can get them out for the second service to be able to come in because I would be staying out there if I was a kid uh, that age. Uh, we're in a um, series at the moment called Promises, and we're looking at uh, some of the promises of God, and I'm going to be looking at uh, not, not a promise of God, but uh, our part in the promise of God. And uh, I want to be looking at a particular word, but to start, I'm going to bring you the verse that has underpinned our whole series, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for all of the promises, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Come on, let's pray and then I'll get into it. Oh Lord, I thank you, God, that your presence is here. You're working and you're moving and you're speaking. And God, I just pray right now as we look to your word, as we open up your book, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't just be words written in an old book a very long time ago, but they would come alive to us. God, help us to see something in the pages that maybe we haven't seen before. God, that it would change us in a way we've not been changed before. Lord, may we leave this place different to the way that we came in. God, would you help me to communicate your word today? God, let them not be my words, but only yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, that word, amen, was used a lot in, Christian, in the Christian world. We use it a lot, and we use it in a lot of different ways. But as I was thinking about this verse, pondering it, and where it talks about our amen, I began to wonder if we really understand the meaning of that word, if we really get what it actually means. Because we say it in a number of different ways. We use it as a punctuation mark, like a full stop almost, just a signal to God, I finished my prayer, Lord. Finished, full stop. Amen, I'm done. We say it uh, when we finish saying grace, don't we, all around the table. And I'm not sure whether we say it at the end of grace to conclude the prayer or whether we say it to begin the food eating, right? It's like, amen, we know we can dig in right now. Uh, if we're feeling super happy clappy on a Sunday, we might shout the preacher down with a hearty amen and then followed by an enthusiastic hallelujah if they're really doing a good job with the preach. Uh, we, we say it when we're, we, thank you, thank you. I hear that over there. Uh, we say when we're in a conversation with a friend, don't we? When something they say really resonates with us, we say amen to that, amen to that. Uh, when we're watching those televangelists, you know, the really loud, over-the-top ones, they will shout it down from the pulpit. They'll say, can I get a good amen? And then we respond, don't we? Like when the MC or the preacher says, and everyone said, and that we all say, Yes, thank you. And if you've been in church for the last year or you've watched anything online, you will know that in the song, The Blessing, we sing it over 30 times. I counted twice because my children kept interrupting me and I kept saying, stop talking to me. I'm counting the amens. It's harder than you think to count that many amens in a song. <clears throat> and you know that when in a prayer, in a parliamentary gathering in America is concluded with an amen followed by an a woman. Did you guys hear about that? You know that we've completely lost the meaning of the word. 
You know that when it's been turned into a gendered term, which it is not, uh, we, it, we know that its purpose, its significant, and most certainly its power has been missed by humanity. But I'm, I've come to tell you today that there is power in your amen, and I want to give it its meaning back today. Are you ready? All right, let's go. The first mention of the word amen in Scripture is found in Numbers chapter 5. And from then on, it is mentioned hundreds of times in different passages throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, the word amen is used to offer agreement or commitment to a blessing or even a curse from the Lord. And it is often used to end a statement. So a statement would be said and the, the speaker would say amen, or it was used as the people's response to what was being stated where there was a statement and then everybody else would say amen. And in those circumstances, the word amen can be translated from the root word amen, which means, and this is probably familiar to you already if you've been in church for any length of time, where it says, which means the word amen means truly, yes, so be it, let it be, or verily. That might be already familiar to some of you, but that word amen, which means yes, truly, so be it, let it be, that word is translated from the root word amen, which is a verb, and that word means to confirm to be faithful, to establish, to make firm, to be sure or lasting, to believe, to be reliable, to be trusty, to be affirmed or confirmed, and to trust. This is a word that we can have confidence in. And we can have confidence in it when it is used in the context of the promises that God has over your life. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen. It means a few things for you and I and there's just four of them I wanna propose to you today. The first thing I think it means for us is that number one, it means we can say amen even when we doubt. We can say amen even when we doubt. See, even in our doubt, we can say it because Christ is our trustworthy and faithful witness. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that because what's really interesting about this word amen in Scripture is that as we see the journey of the Bible go through and we move from Old Testament to New Testament, we see that Jesus begins to use it in a different way. And the way that Jesus uses the word amen actually gives it a whole new meaning for us. See, what we see Jesus do is that he doesn't use it to conclude a statement. And he doesn't use it in response to a statement. We see all through the New Testament in the Gospels that Jesus actually uses it to begin a statement. On over 70 occasions in the Gospels, we see Jesus use the phrase, truly I say to you. You've probably heard it all throughout the Gospels. He begins his teachings with these words, truly I say to you. That word truly is translated, its root word, the word it's translated from is the word amen. It's the very same word that we get the word amen from. It's the same word. So he's not, he's saying truly I say to you, but what he's really saying is amen I say to you. 
And when Jesus says it, he's using it in a similar way to the prophets of the Old Testament when they say, thus says the Lord. Or in the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul says, I've got a revelation from heaven. What they're saying is, they're saying, you can trust the word I'm about to give you because you know the authority from which it comes. As they're saying, you know that when I say this, it means that it's, it's true. You, know, you can trust that what I'm saying is true. You can have confidence in the word I'm bringing because you know without a doubt it's from the Lord. When Jesus says it, when he says, truly, I say to you, or amen, I say to you, he's saying, you can trust what I'm about to tell you simply because I've said it. Because he is Jesus, because he is Christ, because he is the Son of God, his word, like the Father's word, needs no other proof, proof other than that he's uttered it. Listen to the passages that come before our main passage for today. In, in verse, if we start our reading in verse 18, it says, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. Listen to this. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, as God's ultimate yes, listen to this. He always does what He says. He always does what He says. And there we go into our verse. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen. Takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? Takes on a whole new meaning. This tells me that even in my doubt, I can still say amen. I can still say yes. I can still say, let it be to the promises that God has over my life, even when I'm struggling to see what God sees. Even when my faith feels weak or small or insignificant, when I feel like it's not enough, I can still proclaim amen to the promises of God. Even when my faith has been rocked by my circumstance and I'm not sure if it's even there anymore, I can still say amen. Even when I can't, I'm not feeling it. You know those days where you're just not feeling it? Even when I'm not feeling it, when I can't see it, when it doesn't make sense, my amen still carries power. Why? Because my amen is not about me. It's not about my faith. It's not about my own capabilities. It's not about my own abilities. It's me proclaiming, simply declaring, simply confirming and agreeing who God is, and He is the fulfiller of promises who does what He says. Amen is less about me and it's more about Him because it's not about what I can do, it's all about what He can do. Therefore, it stands with or without my doubt. With or without, we can say amen even on those days when we doubt. I, I, I keep wanting to say amen, but then I feel like I'm gonna say it too much and it'll be a bit cliche in the message right? Number two, the second thing it means for us is it means amen makes us joint owners in the promise. I like this one. Amen makes us joint owners in the promise. Can you remember when you were growing up, and some of you could think back real far, can you remember as a child or a teenager when you were growing up and uh, you would, when you wanted something of value from mum and dad, especially like maybe like the all-important first car, and you wanted that. But mum and dad didn't just go out and buy it for you, did they? No, they made you work for it. 
They made you earn it. Why did they do that? They did it because they wanted to teach you the difference between ownership and possession. Because there's a difference. Ownership stewards in a way that possession doesn't. Ownership values in a way that possession doesn't. There is power in your ownership. In the Old Testament, we find that, that amen is often used to proclaim, it's, it's after the proclamation of a, a blessing or a curse. And in doing this, those proclaiming amen were actually making the substance, the essence of what was spoken their own. They were taking words and they were claiming them as their own. Yes, this is my promise. This is my blessing. They were taking ownership of it. Can I tell you that when we pray or we say amen, we aren't just asking or requesting for a promise. We aren't just asking or saying a prayer request. We are actually owning it. When we say amen, we're owning it. And we're not just owning it, we're committing to it. We're committing to see it be carried through. It's ours now. When we say amen, it becomes ours. What we're doing is we're saying yes to God's invitation to partner with us, to see that promise play out in your life, to believe for the promise. Our amen makes us a joint business partner with God to see the promises come true in your life. And when we own it, we steward it differently. We value it differently. We honor it differently because what happens when we own something, we lift the level of expectation we have for that promise because amen not only carries agreement, it's not only saying I agree with it, but amen also brings into alignment anything that is out of alignment. See, when we agree with the Word of God over our lives, when we say amen to a promise of God's Word, the way we live must come into alignment with that promise. And so it means that we begin to live differently because of the promise we are agreeing with. We begin to live in a way that's going to see fulfillment of that promise. I can remember when we were buying our, our house, when we um, came back from Auckland, we moved back from Whangarei to Auckland. I don't even know how many years ago now. Uh, I've lost track. We moved back and when we were buying that home, and although it looked impossible, like buying the home in the Auckland property market looked absolutely impossible and the search took like three years for us to do, I began to get impatient for the promise to play out. And so what I began to do was buy things for the home I didn't own. <laughs> I began to buy uh, paint artwork. I began to buy breakfast bar stalls. I began to buy uh, light fittings for the house I hadn't seen, for the property I hadn't stepped foot in. Uh, what I was doing is I, I didn't have it, but what I did have was a promise. I had a word from God and knowing the promise giver was trustworthy, I knew that I could begin to prepare for what would soon be mine. And so what I did was in that preparation, I took amen from being a word I said, and I began to make it a promise I owned. I made it, a I went from being a requester of the promise to being an owner of the promise. So can I encourage you today, whatever it is you are seeking God for, why don't you start dressing for the promotion? Why don't you begin to shop for the house? Why don't you name that baby? 
Why don't you read those leadership books or start to learn the skill that you need? Own the promise through your amen. Are you with me, church? You're holding on? All right, number three. Number three, amen is our part in the process. Amen is our part in the process. Our oldest boy is, he's 10, nearly 11, and he's just at that stage, and your parents of tweens have got to tell me if this is just a stage and I'm all right, all right? Because he's at that point where he wants in on everything. He's super nosy. He wants to know everything that's going on. He eavesdrops on every conversation, right? He's all about everything. He wants to know all the business. And so whenever we're having a conversation and Steve and I will start to chat or we um, even just looking at something on your phone and if I go, oh, he'll go, wait, what? That's his line. Wait, what? Wait, what? All the time. Drives us absolutely crazy. And he flies into the room or flies into the conversation because he's got like major FOMO, doesn't want to miss out on anything. So he like drives in there. He's like, wait, what? What's going on? What's happening? What am I missing? And we're constantly saying to him, nosy Parker, get out. It's none of your business. Without offending you, can I just propose that maybe sometimes God would want to say that to us? Like how many times when we're waiting for a promise, are we like diving? We're all down here going, wait, what? What's going on over here, God? What are you doing over here? How are you going to make that happen over there, God? What's about, what about this, God? And God's like, hang on a minute, nosy Parker. It's not your business. This is my responsibility is the result. Why don't you take care of your responsibility, the amen. God's responsibility is the result. Your responsibility is simply the amen. Our part is not to try and force. It's not to manipulate or push or work to make things triumph, to figure it out on our own. Our part is the amen. And often we're so desperate for the fulfillment of something that what we take it on what is not our responsibility, don't we? We take on the end result and how it's going to work and how it's going to happen. We take that all on and we carry it as our own. We make the result our job, but the result is not our job. The fulfillment is not our job. Our job is to rest in the promise with our agreement. We need to learn to be okay with not doing anything else. When we did live in Whangarei, we knew when we moved up there that um, for our little family that uh, it wasn't gonna be forever. We knew that God would, at some point, we don't know how long it would be, but we knew at some point God would call us somewhere else. We didn't know where that was either, but we knew that God would call us somewhere else. And um, I loved our time there. We, like it was some of the best years of our lives. But there came a point a few years into it where I began to feel like I was ready for the next thing. But God seemed to have um, misplaced the schedule that I drew up because he began to take a real long time uh, coming through on some things. And I got to that point where at every creek, like every little glimpse of something, every little door that started to become open, every, every little situation or circumstance, I was like Judah. I was like, wait, what? What's going on over there? Is that the opportunity? Is that the open door? Is that how it's going to happen? Do I just need to for, you know, push something in there or push something in there? And I got to the point where I was so impatient for the next thing. And I can remember driving home and we, we lived uh, 30 minutes through country from church. So I was driving home through the most beautiful countryside to the most beautiful spot. We lived in, it was like Tuakau, amazing spot. <laughs> Daryl loves his home. Uh, 
We lived in the most beautiful spot and I can remember looking around me and I can remember almost feeling embarrassed that I was so discontent with this beautiful place. And I said to God, okay, God, all right, all right. If this is where I am for the rest of my days, I'll, I'll stay and I'll be totally okay with that. I'll be content with it. I'm okay. Do you know the, that very week, like I'm not even kidding, that week we got a phone call to ask us to move back to Auckland. It is amazing how quickly God can begin to move when we get out of the way and we stop making what is his responsibility our responsibility. Your responsibility is the amen. Number four, and the team can come and join me now. The last thing I want to say to you is this. We can say amen for others too. We can say amen for others too. Uh, If you've been here for any length of time, you'll know that we're real passionate about small groups. Like we talk about them a lot to the point where some of you are probably like, oh, small groups again. But we will never apologize for that. Uh, Some of them have been going for years and some of them... They, you know, are new every term. Some of them are brand new. Some of you might be deciding this term to start a small group for the very first time. Some of them are based around Bible study. Others are based around a kindred love for coffee. Uh, Some are walking groups. Some are groups for women or men. Some are groups for young mums or young families. Uh, They're all different, but every single one of them has something in common. This is the goal Here's what any small group will offer you, and it's a goal. We don't always get it right, but we do try our best. Every small group, if you join, you will be known by name and prayed for daily. Known by name and prayed for daily. And what we've come to understand as a church is that one of the most powerful uh, things about being part of a small group is the prayer community that forms. It's powerful, that prayer community. Here's why. When we stand in a room with other believers and we hear a promise or we hear the word of God spoken, it might be that in that particular season, it doesn't really fit our circumstance or the word isn't really something that resonates for us. Just because of the season that you're in or what's going on in your world right now, a word might be spoken. It's true, but it's not necessarily resonating with you. For example, you might have um, financial security. So a promise of provision doesn't really hit like another promise for you might. Do you understand what I'm saying? But what I can tell you is this. It's definitely a word for someone near you. Whatever promise is spoken, whatever prayer is is prayed, there will be someone near you who needs it. They need it. And if we can learn the power of our amen for others, I think that we would see God move through our commitment to doing community together in a much greater way. Because when we pray and we say amen, for others, with and for others, the result of that is that we bind ourselves, not just to the promise, but to each other as we believe and commit to seeing the promises of God, not just for me, but for you too over your life as well. And we commit to seeing a promise played out in someone else's world. We don't just partner with God for it, we partner with each other for it 
too. And so when the speaker or the worship leader or the small group leader or the MC declares a promise, declares a word from God, can I encourage each and every one of you, don't just amen it if it's right for you, amen it anyway, because I guarantee you it's right for someone near you, someone else standing not far from you needs your agreement on the promise. They need your commitment to the promise. When I had my first baby, Judah, um, I can remember when I went into labour in the evening on Sunday night, I um, texted one of my best friends. We grew up in church together. I texted her and I just said, hey, going into labour, heading to the hospital, please pray. Then I laboured through the night and delivered Judah at 5 a.m. the next day. And uh, that, that was a Monday morning. And that Monday, as soon as she could, my friend arrived at the hospital to see me and to meet Judah. She walked in the room and I'll never forget it. Guys, she looked terrible. She looked terrible. I mean, she looked worse than me and I just labored all night and delivered a nine pound baby. Like she looked, and I said to her, Rach, what's the matter? Are you okay? You look awful. She says, I've been up all night. And I said, why? Why have you been up all night? She said, I've been up all night praying for you. You, were, you couldn't sleep, you were in pain. I wanted to journey it with you. She said, I wanted to feel what you felt. I wanted to experience your journey. I wanted to be right in it with you. She said, you couldn't sleep, so I didn't. I stayed up and I prayed all night long. That is the perfect example of what it looks like to share in another's amen. To own the promise for those around you as though it's your own. We all need people like that in our lives who are gonna amen with you every step of the way. I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment, but I wanna encourage you in the next two weeks in our services, we're gonna be relaunching and encouraging you to sign up to a small group. And I cannot encourage you enough to sign your little hiney up. Like get yourself committed to a small group. When the time comes, when Daryl or Denise or whoever it is that's up here and they're going on and on and on about signing up for a small groups, just do it. Just do it and begin to commit yourself to a community of people who will amen with and for each other every step of the way. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you so much for your promises. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're for us. I thank you that nothing is impossible. And I just, right now, I just bring to you any need in this room. And I want you to consider whatever need you have right now. Whether it's finances or relational, something to do with your children. Just believing right now there's people in the room and there's, you've got a, a promise, you've got a prayer and it's to do with your kids, your grown-up kids. Just lift that to the Lord right now. Maybe it's to do with family member and salvation. Maybe it's to do with sickness and healing, something in your body, something in a family member's body. Maybe it's a baby you're believing for, a job you're believing for, financial provision. God, right now, as a family of believers, as a church community together, we say amen, amen. Amen. We say yes, let it be to every single prayer and promise in the heart of every one of these people. We stand together. 
we stand together and we commit to not just partner with you, but partner with each other to believe for the promises of God over our lives. Thank you, Jesus. I want to do one more thing before I hand it back over to Pastor Daryl. I just want to, would love for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed as I just take another moment. You know, here in this room, I'm not sure what brought you here. I don't know if you come every week. I'm not sure if this is your first time or 10th time, I don't know. But what I do know is there are people in the room right now and your primary purpose of being here is that you just need to know God. 